0: Do me a favor. Smile. Good morning. It is good to be here. You know what else is good? Gratitude. Did you love that last song? I love that idea of gratitude. I was thinking of the psalm and then my mind went my ADHD kicked in. And I remember an old song that we used to sing. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto his name, O most high. It's good to be thankful. It's good to have an attitude of gratitude. Sometimes we just have it in our hearts, but sometimes we need to show it and manifest that or display that. So can we just give God a hand that we are a grateful people this morning? God, we are grateful. Amen? He's good, um, and we should be grateful. And I know that for some, let me just kind of give you this reminder. There was a season in the, the time in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were wandering around the desert, and they were hungry. And so they're asking God for food. What are we going to eat this large crew of people? And God blessed them with manna. Uh, The word manna just meant, what is it? But it says these frosted wafers that would show up every morning and they would eat and they would go gather for the day. Um, So check this out. They were eating frosted flakes every morning when they were wandering around in the wilderness. And they were grateful for those frosted flakes, but over time they started kind of complaining about frosted flakes again, manna again. And I just want us to remember that when we prayed several months ago, God, we need some rain in a big way. <laughs> you know where I'm going, right? The, cr- the ground is crusty. I mean, this is pathetic. The Playa Lakes are empty. The lakes are down. We need some Rain Now, fortunately for me, I live on a hill, and I'm like, bring it, right? I love the view. I see a a creek that I've never seen before on the horizon, but I know that for some people, they're bailing water this morning. Um, I had heard reports of some people that had waist-high water in their house, and I hate that. That is a terrible thing, but please, let us be grateful for the rain that we ask Him for because He does exceeding and abundantly more (laughs) than we think or ask. Amen? So it's good to be grateful. So what I want to do this morning is I want to jump right into the text, Galatians chapter 5. um, And I want you to join with me as we read. um, the, the, The screen says verse 16, but I want to back up to verse 13 and finish out the rest of the chapter 5. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, read with me. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are obvious, or they're very clear. Sexual immorality... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us... Keep in step with the Spirit or follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Just like that rain that quenched a dry and parched land, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would quench, Lord, the soil of our hearts. The reality is sometimes... We can be hard-hearted. Sometimes we can be parched and thirsty, needing your word, needing the nourishment that comes from that water of your word. And you said that you're living water. I pray that you would just soften our hearts like that soil that becomes pliable where the seed is able to be sown easily and that seed can take root and can produce fruit. And so, Lord, would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to hear? And would you give us a heart to obey what you lead us to today? And we humbly ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. So two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, I guess it is now, we started a series on the Holy Spirit called the Helper. That's what Jesus talked about in John. He says, when I leave, I'm going to send the Helper to you, the Holy Spirit. And so um, in week one, we looked at the person of the Holy Spirit, the presence and the practice of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Um, That is the person of the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And even though the Holy Spirit doesn't have flesh and blood like we do, He has a lot of characteristics that are like a person, right? He has a will, an intellect, and emotions. Paul said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which you've been sealed with until the day of redemption, right? So he can be grieved. We know that he's the third person of the Trinity, but we also talked about his presence, and this is the part that should make every one of us as followers of Christ excited today. The fact that when you place your faith in the gospel, the Holy Spirit takes a permanent residence inside of you. Do you realize that we experience today what no other saint in the Old Testament experienced in their lifetime? They didn't have the presence Presence of the Holy Spirit in them, they would experience the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit from time to time, and all the way up to the day of Pentecost, they didn't experience what you and I are experiencing today. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you and me. That should bring comfort. Um, that should bring power for living. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you if you are a believer. That's good news, isn't it? As I said, it should bring excitement to our lives to know, wow. That's inside of me? hmm That's inside of you. That's what Jesus promised when he said he would send the Holy Spirit. And so last week we looked at the role of the Holy Spirit even in those who are not believers. That is, before they come to the faith, the Holy Spirit plays a role. In our role, he's guiding us. He's assuring us that we're God's children. He's leading us in the truth. He doesn't speak on his own. That's his role in our lives. But last week we looked at his role in the life of unbelievers and how he brings people to the point of salvation. He leads them and brings them to this this point of salvation. And he does this by convicting them of sin, their sin of unbelief. And then he convicts them of righteousness, that there is only one way to be made right with God, and that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he also convicts them of a coming judgment. And so the work of the Holy Spirit in the background is just preparing people to receive salvation. The Word says that no man can come to the Father unless he is drawn by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has a very important role in all of us coming to gospel and placing our faith in the gospel. Amen? So what this means is that we can say the words... We can preach the gospel, we can show um, the hands and the feet to the world around us, but we can't transform a heart. That that is the role and only the role of the Holy Spirit. So we should be praying that the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of those who don't yet believe in Him. We need to pray for our lost loved ones, friends, neighbors, coworkers. Amen? So that's the role of the Holy Spirit outside of the believers. Today I want to look back, kind of return to the role of the Holy Spirit as our guide that is, he's our guide, right? He wants to guide us and our role and responsibility to keep in step with the Spirit, or to follow the Spirit's lead. So we understand the term Christianity. We've been going by it for a couple thousand years. But in Acts chapter 11, it says that the believers were first called Christians at Antioch. Before they were called Christians, they were just known as the followers of The way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And those who follow Jesus were considered followers of the way. It's not surprising that the Bible encourages each one of us as believers to walk a certain way. Amen? So we're told in the Bible to, to walk a certain way, to live our lives in a certain way. Today, someone might say, Amy, tell me about your journey of faith. Or or tell me about your walk with Christ, this idea of being on a journey, walking, putting one foot in front of the other, this is the idea we get when it comes to Christianity. So walking the journey means to live as disciples of Jesus. How are we doing? Don't answer that yet. I mean, you consider that, hey, I'm a a disciple of Jesus, and that means that I'm walking with I'm on a journey with Jesus. And, And so... It's a pretty big order, if you will, to fulfill for each one of us. And so how do we do it? Well, we're able to do it because we are baptized when we believe. We're baptized into the body of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are sanctified. And what that means is just we're increasingly formed into the image and the life of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he works in our lives... As he lives in us, he causes us more and more and more to reflect Jesus, his character, his principles, his actions, helping us to walk as disciples, to live as a disciple of Christ. So Paul kind of speaks to this idea of walking with the Spirit. Um, In fact, the first verse there in 16 in the King James says, "...this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh." Some scriptures say walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. The New Living Translation says let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And I like that. But the background of this letter, let me just kind of set you up of what Paul is doing. Paul wrote this letter to the churches in the area of Galatia. This is the first letter written to multiple churches, not just to one. And it's the first letter that Paul has kind of not softened his approach. In other words, he usually gives them these warm greetings and he has a little bit of talk at the beginning of the, the letter to the churches. He just cuts straight to the chase in Galatians and he begins, you can divide this up into three categories, the first two chapters, Paul is defending his apostolic authority. What do I mean by that? Paul said, hey, listen, not one person told me what to do. I wasn't sent by human man or human authority. I was sent by Jesus himself. You remember when he got knocked off his donkey on the road to Damascus? He was confronted by the risen Lord. He says, I'm sent by Jesus. And the message that I'm sharing didn't come from any mere mortal man. Nobody told me what to say. Jesus, the one that I had this encounter with, he's the one that tells me what to say. And so this becomes a validation for the gospel that Paul is preaching, right? And so Paul is preaching the gospel that he received directly from the risen Lord, right? Go out and preach the good news. Well, this is being challenged, and so there are some people that crept up and then they started teaching heresies. And the heresy was that, yes, you believe um, by faith in the gospel of Jesus, but you know what? You still need to be circumcised to be right with God, to be saved. And and so they were adding things to this good news that Paul is preaching. And so for the next two chapters, chapter 3 and 4, he begins to defend this idea of justification by faith, by grace alone. Right? And he begins to refute this justification by works. What they're saying is you got to do X, Y, and Z, Jesus plus this, this, and this, in order to be justified. But what the true gospel says is that it's Jesus and what he did plus nothing equals everything. And that's the good news, right? So this is what he's teaching in chapters 3 and 4. And then in chapters 5 and 6, he begins to lay out this idea that liberty does not mean lawlessness. Uh, Some have said that the letter to Galatians is the Christian's declaration of independence, We understand that as citizens of the United States of America, don't we? We had some people a long time ago that declared their independence and they got on boats and they came across an ocean and they began to settle in this new colony and they began to set up shop, if you will, and they had this declaration of independence and they set up these things called what? The Bill of Rights. Why? Because they knew that freedom was fragile. How many of you know that freedom is fragile? I think we take that for granted. You know, there's places across the globe today that know tyranny, misery, and we're in the United States, and we're free, at least for now, and I think that we take that for granted, and so these Bill of Rights are there to protect us as U.S. citizens. That's not what the sermon is about, but we understand that, right? And we realize that freedom is is there, but it's very fragile, and we've got to do our part to protect that freedom. And so Paul begins to talk about the Christian liberty. He says, you've been set free from sin. You've been set free from the bondage and the penalty of sin. You're now liberated by the gospel. You're free. Now, make sure you stay that way. So verse 1 in chapter 5 is kind of a transition where he's talking about their liberty, and he says, so Christ has truly set us free. Make sure that you stay free. Stako is the Greek. He says, make sure that you stay free, that you stand firm or you hold one's ground. Maintain your position. And so Paul gives us this idea of the position of liberty is, man, you need to make sure that you maintain that position. And the idea here in his context is don't fall back into legalism by going to the law of Moses. See, for them, he says, if you're going to obey the law of Moses in circumcision, you better be able to obey all the laws of Moses because if you're guilty of breaking one of them, you're guilty of breaking all of them, right? He says, you've been set free from that law, so maintain that position. Don't be trapped or tripped up into, drawn back into legalism. Can I just tell you that that even goes on today? You have the gospel of Jesus, and there's always somebody that rises up with a new teaching, and it usually requires you to do something in addition to what the gospel says in order for you to be made right with God. I'm going to just go out and say that's heresy, because that's what Paul said. He goes, that's not a gospel at all, right? And so he teaches uh, the importance of this liberty and maintaining this position, and then he tells them in verse 13 of chapter 5, this is what it looks like to live in liberty. What is the practice of liberty? Well, it's love. He says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then he quotes Jesus, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So he says, hey, maintain your position of liberty in the gospel. And what that looks like on a day-to-day basis is love. Love one another. And verse 16, he begins with, so I say, and this is with the idea of liberty in mind. So we have this liberty that we're to hold fast to, we're told to walk this certain way, and then he says, here's the power for your ability to walk in liberty, the power to walk for liberty in liberty is the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we've been talking about the the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and this is what Paul tells us about the role of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Walk in the Spirit. And if you do that, he says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And so Paul begins to lay out this idea that there's a great battle going on in each and every one of us. There's this battle being waged every day, right? Every day when you wake up, there's a battle going on. And so listen to what it says. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants, the complete opposite, like oil and water. They don't mix. you got the spirit wanting one thing. you got the flesh wanting a completely different thing. It says the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly, say constantly, They're constantly fighting each other. What are they fighting each other for? Control. Control of your life. Control of my life. He says these two forces are constantly fighting each other for control of your life so that you're not free To carry out your good intention. And so he's basically saying there's this debate, this fight, this battle for control. And so can I just tell you in this world today, in our churches today, in our homes today, in our schools today, in our communities today, we desperately need a guide. Don't we? I've already demonstrated with my life that I'm not able to do it on my own. Every time I'm in charge, I'm going to get me lost I'm going to get me in some trouble. I need a guide. I need. I said last week, I need a guide to go to Walmart, right? We need the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. The good news is Jesus promised that he would abide with us forever, and that's good news. But what good is it if he abides in us and we never listen to his guidance? What good is it if we, like that greater power that's in me than he that's in the world, if we never listen to his voice, ask him for direction, heed his warnings? What good is having a guide if you don't follow the guide? And so, this idea is you have a guide and he's going to do his part and he's faithful. He leads us in the truth. He's always going to guide us in the truth. He's never going to speak on his own. He's not going to lead us away from scripture or into heresy. But then you got your part and my part. And our part is to follow the guide. So, there's this great battle every day, constantly, for control of our lives. And he goes on to tell us what the responses of those battles are. He's like, when the spirit is in control and when the flesh is in control. So when the flesh is in control, that is when the sinful nature, verse 19, he says, "When, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He says, when you follow his lead, The response is just absolutely obvious. And listen to this list. He breaks them down into four categories, kind of with a little bonus kicked in. So the first one are these sexual sins. He said, when you follow the flesh, here's the results. Sexual immorality or adultery, um, impurity, or lustful pleasures. So sexual immorality in the Greek is porneia. Guess what word we get from there in our English? Pornography, right? It's acts that are morally objectionable. Um, And specifically in this area, in this context, it was prostitution. It was a big deal. He says that's sexual immorality. Impurity is moral uncleanness in thought, word, and deed. And debauchery um, or lustful pleasures is shameless display of these events. So not only are we engaging in these events, it's a shameless display. We're getting on top of the rooftops and going, I don't care. Look at what I'm doing, right? When the flesh is in control, he said that's the results when it comes to sexual sins. And then he talks about these religious sins. He says these these guys um, struggle with idolatry when the flesh is in control and sorcery or witchcraft. Now, idolatry, they had a bad thing with idols back in the day. They would just worship these false idols all the time. We don't struggle with that today, do we? We don't have a physical idol in our house that we bow to, but how many of you know that we give our lives and adoration to and energy to some idols from time to time? When the flesh is in control, that's what it does. Instead of worshiping the one true God, we kind of can get guilty of worshiping money, power, fame, having the idols, and witchcraft. The Greek word there is pharmakia. We get our word pharmacy from that. And so back in the day, when they would worship these false idols, they would take drugs that would put them in a trance. And so they're worshiping these false idols all drugged out. And he said that's the act or the work of the response of following the sinful nature. Those are the religious sins. And then there's the one that I would kind of like to camp out on for a moment, because I know that we don't struggle with this one. But the societal sins, the sins that affect you and me and how we relate to each other. Listen to this list. Hostility. And when you have hostility or hate certain people groups, right, or you get this just enmity towards another group of people, it's going to lead to quarreling. You're going to fight about different ideas. It's going to lead to jealousy, Amongst other people, like I'm just jealous of what they got and where they're at in life. Outbursts of anger, right? You know what that is? Like just a fit of rage. Like where did that come from? I've never seen that before. That's an outburst of anger. Selfish ambition, which leads to dissension, division, and even envy. When you say, I just hate that person because they got this and I don't have it. I mean, that's a negative, a pretty negative response to following the sinful nature. So here's why I said I wanted to camp out on this. I think that there's this mentality in our world today that people are just naturally good people. They have to learn to be bad people. And I want to push back on that just a second. If you go into the nursery now, there's little kids in there, right? We love them, right? But if you put some toys in front of those little kids, you're gonna see fits of rage. You're gonna see a little dissension, right? You're gonna see a little jealousy, a little I think the idea is we need some help, don't we? And so even at a young age, we see this, and we just develop it, and we're walking in it. And so he says, when we let the flesh take control or be our guide, we're going to experience it. This is the work of it. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. And then he turns to alcohol, and he says... Okay, there's a problem there, too. When you let the flesh get in control, you don't drink it in moderation, but it's excessive use of strong drink, and you're getting just drunk out of your mind, which led to, in their culture of that day, they had the worship of this one god called, god called Bacchus. It was the god of wine. And so for them to worship the god of wine, it was to just get drunk out of their minds and to get involved in just really crazy Wild parties. King James uses the word orgies. And so you can see how bad it goes really quick. And then, just so that we know that the list is not, you know, doesn't end there, he's like, and other sins like these. And so he's given us the idea that with one person in control, this is the results of letting that person guide your life. I don't know about you, but I lived a lot of my life living that way. In fact, before Christ, I could say, yep, done that, yep, done that, check, 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 check. But when we come to Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God moves in us and it's the desire of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us or to grow us in our life and he wants us to follow his lead. And we've already learned that he is a good leader, that he will lead us in the truth, he'll never speak on his own, he won't contradict the word of God. He's always got our best interest and God's best interest for us in mind. Amen? Amen? And so Paul says you've got a choice. There's this battle for control, and you can give in to the sinful nature. Now, this is not talking about salvation because the Bible says that you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, right? And if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. So we're not dealing with that. But, but how many know we can still act like the old man, right? We get these habits, these hang-ups, this just natural tendency to want to do what the world does. And so he says that's the result of responding to the flesh, And then he gives this warning. Listen to this. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What Paul is not saying is that a Christian who lapses into sin occasionally, and we all lapse into sin from time to time, he is not saying that that Christian loses salvation. But what he is saying is those who habitually indulge in the fleshly sins are giving evidence of not being a child of God. Those who just continually give in to these types of sin are giving evidence that they don't even belong to God in the first place. The idea if the Holy Spirit is in us, there's going to be evidence of that, right? So what is the evidence of the work or following the Holy Spirit? Well, he says that. And I think all of us probably learned this in Sunday school or um, I remember a Stephen Curtis Chapman song that came out years ago. Love and joyful, peaceful patience, kind of good and full of faith, self-controlled and gentle. Oh, the heart of heaven beats this way. It's a good jam. You need to listen to it. <laughs> Let me tell you again. He says, well, what the Holy Spirit produces, this kind of fruit, or the results of following his lead, is love, joy. You ever notice some people are just, like, overwhelmed with joy? And it's obnoxious. Right? Don't they see what's going on? Or Have they read the news? Did they look at the newspaper this morning? Do they see what the economy is doing? Why are you so goofy and you're joyful today? Well, it's because they're being guided by the Holy Spirit. And they're like, hey, in all things, be joyful. <laughs> you're like, I want to smack you is what I want to do. <laughs> but it's love. It's joy. It's peace. An absence of conflict, this sense of well-being like, you know what? The waters, the rains, the floods, the winds... But God, I know you're in control, right? And I got peace, even when I can't see what's going on around me. That's what the Spirit produces in our life. Patience. None of us struggle with that one, do we? We live in a culture where you get it now. I mean, you push a button. I want, like, how come it takes you five minutes to cook a cheeseburger? You want to die from salmonella? It takes a minute to cook a cheeseburger, right? So, But we're impatient, he says. this produces patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness self-control he says there's no law against these things so Paul lays out this idea that as a Christian we're in this journey and we're walking and there's a certain way that we are to walk and we need a good guide and the good news is God has given us if you've placed your faith in the gospel he's given you the best guide ever the presence of the Holy Spirit Who says that we're sealed with until the day of redemption. You know what that means? He's with you. When you wake up, he's with you. When you go to bed, he's with you. When you're in traffic, be careful, he's with you, right? He's with us. He's always with us. And he wants to guide us, but he's not going to impose himself on us. So that brings in our part. Our part is to yield to, to walk by the power of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to let the Spirit guide our lives. A few of us went to Guatemala a few years back, and I'd never been there before. Uh, but I remember this forest that we went to, the Tiki National Forest, and there's all the Mayan ruins. It's very fascinating to go through. But we hear from the town, miles away, these howler monkeys. Remember that, Jeff? The howler monkeys um, that we heard just screeching, and I mean, like, kind of intimidating. You're like, those things would probably tear you up. And I remember thinking, you know, if we were here and we didn't know anybody and we didn't have anybody to show us around, we could probably get into a bind really quick, right? And so, it's an idea thing to have a guide who would tell you where to stay away from, what kind of cars to avoid. Like, don't get in a car with those guys, they're crazy. And watch out for the people, where to go, where it's dangerous, where it's safe, where to sleep at night. It's good to have a guide, amen? And the opposite of that is true. And sometimes you can go and you just randomly pick somebody out, and it might not be a good guide. He may have some friends around the corner that are going to mug you. It's really important to have a good guide. And the Holy Spirit is a great guide. And so, He's laying this out. like, you have a choice. You have a choice, you have a choice every day to choose who you will follow, which guide you will follow. You can easily, and it's easier, to follow the flesh and his dictates and his, you know, direction, or you could follow the Holy Spirit, which is the harder way, I would admit, because our society um, is so used to just doing it a certain way and sometimes it is supernatural. It really is to have the Holy Spirit to live in us and say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to act, respond? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Because the world's gonna look at that and go, you guys are crazy, right? But he says you have a choice every day that you can do this. And so I'm gonna ask you to make a choice. And Paul says that he says those who belong to Christ Jesus, if you placed your faith in Jesus, if you placed your faith in the gospel, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and nailed them there. Did you hear that? Those that belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We need to consider ourselves dead to that old lifestyle. You know what? I know there's a temptation to follow his guide, to follow his lead, but I need to consider that is dead to me. And so we need to fire the first guide. He's not doing too well for all of us, right? You know what? Guide one, flesh, you're dead to me. I'm done with you. You always get me in trouble. You cause me to do things that I always feel bad about later, right? I'm always having to say sorry because I'm following your lead, right? I always have this this guilt or this condemnation because I did what you led me to do. You're a terrible leader. I'm done with you. We need to choose to get rid of the first leader. And secondly, we need to... He says here, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every, say every, every part of our lives, not just Sunday. Sunday's here, and so we have this compartmentalized lifestyle, and on Sunday, I'm on my best behavior, right? But Monday is a different story. He said, let the Holy Spirit guide you in every part of your life, financially, right? In the middle of conflict, in some of your biggest decision-making decisions you got to make. In every part of your life, he says, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Keep in step with the Spirit. There's our part to keep in step. I was talking to someone earlier, and I was thinking about the guide. And, you know, when you got a guide that's leading you, you know, and he's kind of walking out ahead of you, and and you're, like, it's all good because you got your eyes on the guide, you're watching where he's walking, you're watching what he's avoiding, and all is good. But there are going to be times in life when you're going to get, like, in over your head, and it's a little scary. And it's in those moments that I want to get as close to the guide as I can get. Amen? And I'm gonna watch. Where is he putting his feet? We're on a cliff. It's jagged edges, and he's leaning in. I'm gonna lean in. I might say, "Hold my hand," you know, leading me across this scary part. That's the beauty of it. This guide is with us, and we need to keep in step with the Spirit. That's the choice that I believe that we need to make carefully. Keep in step with the better guide. What does that look like? Watch. Watch the guide. What does the scripture tell us? about God and about his will for our lives and what the Holy Spirit's always going to point us back to that. What does scripture say? That's to watch the guide. Listen to the guide. Sometimes not in an audible voice but sometimes he will just impress something on you. It's like he's talking to me. I need to listen. What do you want me to do? Sometimes we should ask questions. I'm going to do that with a guide. Hey, why are we going this way? Why did you do that? Why are we avoiding that? I think it's okay for us to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Why are we doing this? How do you want me to handle this? Ask the question. And so I think we can see how this can work practically in our lives to let the Holy Spirit guide us, to yield to his influence, his power, his direction, his guidance to follow the Holy Spirit. So there is this battle every day for control. And there's two results depending on who's in control. But then there's this choice that each one of you and me get to make regularly and it's to choose your guide and so the question is have you chosen your guide let me just say this if you two questions do you believe in christ have you placed your faith in christ because if you've not placed your faith in christ then you're still a slave that's what the scriptures say right the wages of sin is death if you've not placed your faith in the gospel of jesus christ then you're a slave to sin you have no choice you got guide number one whether you want it or not that's what you and I are before Christ. But the good news is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? And so through the gospel, he liberates us from sin and from that old slave master, right? Right? The one that we couldn't get away from, he liberates us and he gives us this freedom. And he's like, okay, now walk in that freedom. Maintain that freedom because somebody's going to come along and try to knock you back into legalism. Somebody's going to come along and try to trip you up into some sin that doesn't take your salvation but causes you to be so ineffective in your life. And so be very careful. And so if you've not placed your faith in the gospel, you've heard me say this many times, it's the most important decision that we can make while we're living on this earth is to place our faith in the gospel. And the good news is, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. No longer slaves. No longer a, sin, I mean a slave to uh, that first guide. And we're given the Holy Spirit to move in us and to be our permanent, good, reliable guide. That's good news, isn't it? So hopefully everyone in the room has placed their faith in the gospel. And listen, I know this. I can say all the words, but I know the Holy Spirit's role is to just say, you know what, Shane? Or you know what, whoever you are? That's what the preacher's talking about, that's truth. And he will bear witness that that's the truth and he will kind of just begin to tug on your heart and my my hope, I would compel you, is to respond to his work in your heart and say, you know what, I need to place my faith in the gospel. I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit moves in and you got a brand new guide. Here's a second question. Believer, follower, journey person in Christ, following the way as a disciple of Christ. Are you willing to let the Spirit be your guide? Are you willing to yield to his direction? Um, I think sometimes we get in so far over our head and we do so many things that we're like just feeling convicted about it or even condemned about it. Here's the good news. The Bible says that God's mercy is new every morning. Every morning you wake up, there's a fresh batch of mercy. Isn't that good? And so what that means to me is like, it doesn't matter how jacked up you may think you are, how disobedient and rebellious you might have been in the past. You're just one prayer away from God. Holy Spirit, I recognize that I've been rebellious in this. God, will you forgive me? I repent of that hard-headedness that stubbornness of not listening to the God. Forgive me and give me the desire to follow you. Give me the will, the desire, and the heart to listen and to follow you. I would say the first step is to repent. God, I've been handling things my way and I'm getting my results and it's not pretty. I want to do it your way. I want to see what you will do through me. I would say let him guide you. And then I want to close with this thought. I want you to consider this. Focus on the space. Uh, a couple of weeks ago we were at a men's breakfast and a gentleman brought up uh, this idea of a space. It was totally out of context with what I'm talking about, but where my mind went with that was like, that's it. It's the space. It's the, the space. Let me define that. So between an action and a reaction, there's a space. And it may not be very big, when I was younger, um, people would cut me down or say something and I'd go home and I'd think on it and I would just come up with a clever comeback, a zinger, like three hours too late. All the time. I used to get mad. I'm like, man, I wish I could just be, be faster on my feet. Let me just tell you, I don't know that it's a spiritual gift, but I have the gift of quick comebacks today. And so the problem is that space is so small that if I'm not careful, somebody says something I go, oh yeah, boom. Most of the time, it's not what the spirit was leading me to do. And I'm not alone, amen? Something goes on in your life, in your marriage, in the community, at work, and we're quick to ignore the space, and we're quick to just, boom, jump in there with the reaction. And so I want to just encourage you today, and maybe this week, to just put into practice this idea of, you know what, there's a space, there's a gap between the action or those hurtful words or that catastrophe, that scary thing going on. There's a space between that and my response to it. Mind the gap, mind the space, focus on. In that space is a perfect opportunity for you and me to say, okay, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to that? Holy Spirit, what should I do about this situation? Holy Spirit, how would you want me to act in this particular situation. Holy Spirit, there's a a temptation here, and I know that you said you wouldn't allow me to get to the point where I couldn't give up. You're always going to find a way of escape for me or provide a way. The gap there, Holy Spirit, show me the gap. Show me the the space where I can escape this temptation. Uh, the, The space is a beautiful thing, isn't it? And so what I would hope that we would widen the margin of our spaces when it comes to dealing with people and situations, whatever it may be, that we'll just consider for a moment that the Holy Spirit is there, and he's not gonna force himself on us, but he's like that still small voice ready to lead us as a good guide if we will keep in step with him. And if we do that, just like I'm gonna need this space, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? You're driving to work, turn the radio off. Holy Spirit, there's a time between me going to um, work and me driving on the road. How do you want me to respond to this conversation today? This coworker that's getting under my skin, how do you want me to do that? What do you want me to do about that? No, not murder them, but love them, pray for them, maybe buy them a gift or make them some food, take them out for dinner. I mean, it's just cool when we give room for the Holy Spirit to guide us. But the reality is, when we ignore the gap, ignore the space, we usually respond according to the flesh. And we know... And we see all too often in our world today, in our families, our schools, that we're doing a lot of that, even followers of Christ. Amen? Amen. And so we need the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life. I'm thankful for his presence. I'm thankful for the assurance that I have that I belong to God because of the Holy Spirit in me. But, man, I need him every day. I need his guidance. We all do. And the good news is he's always going to lead us in a way that honors God. He's always going to grow us to look more and more like Jesus. So, what would our world look like if we truly grabbed a hold of this truth? What what would it look like if we just pushed the pause button for a second in the middle of that conflict, husband and wife? Push the pause button. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to say in response? I know what I was planning on saying, but it's probably not the right thing. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? At work, something happens, and it's just infuriating to you. We're in a community, and you're like, I need to do something. I need to say something. Ta- Stop for a moment. Push the pause button. Holy Spirit, I know that I need to speak truth, but how do you want me to approach it? How do you want me to speak truth? In what way should I do this? In a way that would not push someone away from the good news, but that would be uh, a way of honoring you, but also maybe bringing another person into the faith. The, 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 I, I compel you. Paul compels us to let the Holy Spirit guide us in our life. He's ready. He's willing. Will we let him? Father, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you for the challenge, uh, Lord, to, um, to do our part. Lord, I thank you that when it comes to salvation, it wasn't about our part. It was all on what your son Jesus did. And we know that we're not going to add anything to that, but we believe in Jesus And Jesus alone, Jesus plus nothing is everything. And we're made right with you because of his work. We just simply respond to that gift that you offer humanity. And so, God, I thank you for that free gift of salvation that you offer to us. But, Lord, in this walk of sanctification, I thank you for the presence, the role, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, Lord, I think that we could all admit, confess, be honest that we don't always allow him to jump in the driver's seat. We don't always allow him to guide us in our conversations and our actions and our responses. And so would you forgive us, Lord, for the times where we just take control? Would you forgive us for the times that we are in the driver's seat and we do things our way according to the flesh and we get the results and do the damage that only the flesh can do? Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just give us uh, a sensitive spirit, easy ears to hear what you might want to say, pliable hearts to receive this truth and to just walk it out today at home, and in, in, in our schools, in our families, and just abroad, Lord, that we would be sensitive to your guidance and that we would, like that guide, we would just watch where you're at and follow you and keep in step with you, allowing you to lead us. And Lord, in the moments when we're really scary and, and, and we don't know what we're going to do and that we would just lean even closer to the God, knowing that you'll lead us safely to where our Father wants us to be. And so, God, I pray that you would just grow us a little bit more in our walk today. Lord, maybe for some the next step is just repentance and maybe even correcting something that's been done in the flesh. Hey, I'm sorry I didn't respond to this the right way. Will you forgive me? And, Lord, that we would just be mindful of your presence and your leading in our lives. Father, thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Help us to keep in step with him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.